Our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 24 through 35. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Many of you know this, that I am an early bird. I'm usually up around 5.30, and yes, I mean a.m. I have a friend who always jokes he has no problem with 5.30 p.m. <laughs> if it's a rest day on my training schedule and I'm not going to the gym, I'm sitting quietly with a cup of coffee getting some work done in those quiet hours of the morning. That's just when my brain functions. This is my sacred time, this early morning time. But I can't go to the gym or make my coffee without doing something else first. I have to feed my cats because they know the sound of my alarm. And even if I try to ignore or snooze the alarm, the cats will demand their breakfast. And they have a system. They pester me in order of seniority. The first one up to bat is usually the new kid, Fufu. She's an eight pounds fluffy attitude. And if she doesn't get me to wake up, then they send in giant chubby dopey Julius, our orange tabby, and he takes a crack at it. After Julius, if I'm still not up, Moses, our smart one who knows how to open doors and turn lights on and off, a little gray and white tabby, he will find the most uncomfortable place he can possibly stand on me and squeak at me until I either get up or toss him off the bed. And if Moses gets tossed, they send in the big boss, Coca-Cola. He is 16 years old, and we've always joked that he's half Siamese, half black lab, because in his prime, he was 15 or 16 pounds of muscle. We also refer to him as the house panther because of his shiny black coat. And as old as he is now, he's kind of scrawny and scraggly. He looks like a really old boxer. Um, and nobody messes with him, not even me. And by the time he starts to bug me, I get up. In case you're wondering, they only got as far as Fufu this morning. 
Now, last week, we read about Jesus feeding 5,000 people with just a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. I like to think that my cats are as impressed by my can-opening skills in much the same way that the crowd was impressed by Jesus feeding all of these people with such little food. I mean, think about it. If you don't have thumbs, opening a pop-top can is pretty miraculous. Now, here's the other thing that my cats and this crowd have in common. The next day after being fed, the crowd comes to Jesus and expects him to do it all over again. Day after day, my cats expect the miracle of the open cat food can because they know that the day before they came to me hungry and I helped them and their bellies were filled. The crowd following Jesus came to him hungry and he helped them and their bellies were filled. Now the difference is that where my cats are concerned, it's just about the cat food. They have not missed a deeper theological point to what is happening. They're simply getting breakfast. They're hungry, they bug me, I feed them, that's it. But the crowd following Jesus totally missed the deeper point, the real reason that Jesus was there. The people haven't just been filled because Jesus is there, they have been fulfilled. Jesus doesn't just bring regular old food food, he brings food for the soul. The food that Jesus offers is lasting, abiding. It's not a meal for a body, it's a meal for a soul. They seemed to totally forget how miraculous and important what Jesus, what Jesus did was. They seemed to forget what that meant about who Jesus was, and they got hyper-focused on getting more physical belly-filling bread. They wanted to see an encore. I mean, think about how you feel when the run of a favorite TV show ends. You've invested countless hours getting to know the characters, engaging in the story, growing and changing with the people in the show, and then one day you're watching the series finale. Or maybe you're waiting, you're putting off watching the season finale, and it's sitting on your DVR waiting for you to have the emotional fortitude to turn it on. Because you know you've loved it, you've enjoyed it, you've gotten, to know, you've gotten something good out of it. But often, instead of just embracing what we've gotten from it and letting it run its course, we want to return to when it was still fresh and new and exciting. This is why spin-offs are such a big thing. This is also why spin-offs rarely do very well. They're not generally very good. They almost never quite capture what we left behind in the original. At best, they tend to be watchable for a few episodes. Usually, they're just not very good. Now, Mark told me last night something very exciting. He's laughing because he knows what I'm about to say. There's going to be a new Star Trek spinoff soon. Actually, a few people text messaged me excitedly after I got Mark's message, but he wins for breaking the story last night. Now, Star Trek is an exception to the spinoff phenomenon. Several of the spin-offs, and there have been many, both TV shows and movies, many of them have been better than the original. I'm really sorry if I've offended anyone by saying that, but I'm hardcore and I think that that's true. And soon there's going to be a new spin-off of one of the spin-offs, oddly enough, and this one features Captain Picard from the first spin-off of the, the show. Anyway, that's all an exception. Usually spin-offs are terrible. And the, the reason that they're a thing is because we, we like to remember when some sort of hunger was being filled. And we want to experience it again. We want to feel that way again. 
In the case of a TV show, it's our human hunger for a good story. We hate it when the story ends. We want more of the story. In the case of my cats and the crowd following Jesus, it is literal hungry hunger that they want to experience again. When we are hungry in some way, it is normal to want to return to the place where that hunger was last filled. But look at how Jesus answers the crowd's question. Remember, in the previous part of this narrative that we read last week, just after Jesus feeds the people, the crowd saw Jesus not get on the boat with the disciples who were taking the boat across the lake. But now Jesus is on the other side of the lake with them. Now we, uh, being privy to the narrative of the story, we've heard the, the narrator explaining things, um, and the disciples also know that he walked across the water to get to them. But the crowd didn't see that happen. All they know is Jesus didn't get on any boat to go across the lake, and here he is on the other side with the disciples. So the crowd is totally mystified when they see him somewhere other than where they last saw him. It's not out of line for them to wonder how he got there. It's not out of line for them to ask him how he got there. What's out of line is their intent in seeking him out. They aren't following him around because he's the one who restores him. They're following him around like a bunch of cats following the sound of a can opener. So he doesn't answer their question. Sometimes I feel it's my Presbyterian obligation to toss a John Calvin quote into a sermon every once in a while. So here's what John Calvin has to say about this passage. Christ does not reply to the question put to him. When we seek in Christ something other than Christ himself. Christ does not reply to the question put to him. When we seek in Christ something other in Christ himself. What are we seeking when we seek Jesus? What are we seeking when we ask our questions of Jesus? Are we seeking to fill a natural hunger? Are we seeking to relive or refeel something that Jesus did yesterday or yesteryear? Are we looking for a spin-off? Are we seeking some sort of vindication or validation? Or are we simply seeking the Holy One himself so that we might sit with him and abide in his presence? Like the crowd, we are often so focused on what Jesus has done or could do, we forget to just seek Christ himself. We have to stop looking backwards and try to figure out where Jesus should be. Just look beside you to where he is sitting right here and right now. We have to stop seeking full churches on Sunday morning and just start seeking Jesus. Because the salvation of the church is not in the salvation of the church. It's in the spiritual life of the people within the church. The building up of the body of Christ has nothing to do with the building up of the earthly church. And it has everything to do with the building up of each believer to be an integral part of Christ's body and mission on earth. Here again, these words from Ephesians 4. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Until we have matured in Christ, we are going to be hungry sometimes. We're going to be tossed here and there. We're going to go off track from time to time. And the only way to mature in Christ is to stop asking for bread like yesterday and start dwelling with him here and now. Seek Jesus for the sake of Jesus and nothing else. Jesus says, abide in me. Just sit here with me. Stop worrying about the other stuff and dwell in this place a while. As we move into communion this morning, let us do so reflectively and remembering that this is not about bread for the body, but about bread for the soul. It is a celebration of what connects us to Jesus and to one another. It is a way to abide in him. Amen. <clears throat>